Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Hey there, Valley friends. Pastor Lindsay here with you this morning, and I am so glad to be with you. I just want you to give a big shout out to your hosts when you're watching online. Let them know that you're there with them. I'm a little biased because I happen to be a host too on Sunday mornings, and it's always great to hear from you. So tell them hello, tell them how you're doing, let them pray for you because that's what God calls us to do. So we're in the second week of this series. Is that really in the Bible? And in fact, today, mine is called The Ultimate Assassin. Although, I mean, JL was pretty cool last week. I mean, she drove a tent peg through some guy's head. That's pretty ultimate. But the story we're going to look at today, I'm just going to precursor this and apologize that you might get a little queasy, okay? In fact, I even had to take some breaks while I was studying this because it makes me a little queasy. But here's what I know, that if God had this put in the scripture, that it has a purpose for you and me, and that's exciting. So so we're just going to kind of put our little queasy tummies aside here and see what the Lord has for us. So when I was thinking about this particular story, after I took a few breaks and read it a few times, the first thing that came to my mind was, I have no remarkable abilities. You know, we read these stories in Judges, and it seems like these people are superheroes. They have this incredible ability, and then I think, well, but I mean, I'm not very athletic, and I really can't play an instrument. I used to. I played the saxophone, and if I picked it up today, I'd sound like a dying goose, I'm pretty sure. But, but here's what I have. So I have a past littered with struggles and trouble and frustration. In fact, I was that kid in high school that had, you know, the big, thick, you know, stack of discipline issues. That was me. But what I didn't realize is that my past was exactly what Christ was going to use when I landed my first job. So I've had a passion for education my whole life. See, and I used to teach my stuffed animals. I would line them all up and I would teach them. So, like, I just love teaching. But I, when I first landed my job, I had gone without a real teaching job, a long teaching job, a contracted teaching job for two years. And I was growing weary. And for all my substitutes out there, you have a hard job. That's what I did. In fact, my students always do in my class, you never give a substitute a hard time unless you want Mrs. Murphy to give you a hard time. So while I was in a small group, I was newly married, and it was my prayer request. I kept saying, listen, I just need a job. There were practical reasons. I, I needed like a real paycheck and, and health insurance but I wanted to live out my dream. And so while I was praying and others were praying with me, honestly, I was growing discouraged. And then a, fa- a fellow group member mentioned two job openings at the same school. One was for adult ed and one was for a part-time teaching position as an English teacher. 
So I applied for both of them. I figured, you know what, let's just put all odds in my favor at this point, and I applied for both. And I got an interview for both. And here's how this interview went. So I want you to listen to this. I sat down, and of course I had my script, right? The thing I'm gonna say, how I'm gonna bolster my abilities so that you feel confident that I can teach your kids. And out of my mouth I say, I feel like the classroom is my mission field. And my principal at the time, Terry, who I asked permission if I could tell this story, I watched her whole face and body language just kind of sink down and she's writing something and I'm thinking, oh no, what have I done? But truthfully, it was the truth. It wasn't that I lied. And then out of my mouth comes, but you know, my life as a teenager was really hard. And I begin to spew all these things that I had done in high school. Definitely maybe not the best interview process. But her whole body changed. She all of a sudden re-engaged with me. And here's what I found out after I got both jobs, by the way. She said, you know, Lindsay, I, when you said that it was your mission field, I just assumed you wouldn't be the right fit for our kids. But then when you told me about who you were in high school, I knew you were the perfect fit. See, it wasn't my degree or my educational experience that she was interested in. She wanted to know that I could handle the students and the environment with confidence. See, has God called you to do something that seems impossible? Or what about maybe so ordinary that you question whether you're supposed to do it? You know, that's the question we're going to wrestle with today as we listen to this gruesome story. Now, Mark told us a little bit about the history of Judges last week, and I just want to reiterate. See, there was no leader to take Joshua's place after the Israelites entered into the Promised Land. So we see throughout Judges and beyond the cycle of defeat and then deliverance. And it continues to repeat itself, and we see that once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Once again, once again. The writer at the end of Judges tells us in those days Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Sound familiar at all to today? Probably. But what can we do about it, right? That's usually our question. What can we do about it? And I just want to challenge us today that we can actually do quite a bit. Ehud teaches us that in our passage today. So this cycle of defeat and deliverance sounds a lot like society. But I believe and I'm praying today that we can stop that cycle. That we can stop this cycle of constantly being defeated and then needing to be delivered out of it because you and I take our rightful place. We take our past and our stories and our experiences and our abilities and we use them for his kingdom. We're going to start in Judges 3, starting at verse 12. And as we go along, we'll just kind of stop and break this apart. And if you get queasy like I did, just hit the pause button and come back when you're feeling better. 
See, once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies. And then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Psalms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. But, I love that conjunction, by the way. For all who is listening on our podcast or listening, I just love that. Because that means the story is going to change. That means something's going to happen, and that's exciting. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again, I love again, it's another good word, raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Jerah, a left-handed man. Now, I just want to stop here for a second because that detail seems strange, right? Like, why not describe him in some other way? Most of us are not going around, hello, my name is Lindsay. I'm a right-handed woman. Hello, my name... Why, we just don't do that. We just, we just, because that would be weird. Uh, yet, the scripture tells us this. See, and here's what I gained from that. When I stopped and I began to think, why would you tell me that? And you're going to hear in the story why that detail is important. But I want you to hear this first. God uses what we already have for the glory of his kingdom. You have what you already need. I'm going I'm to say that one more time. God uses what we already have for the glory of his kingdom. You have what you already need need. So the next time you say, well, if I just had a bigger house, or if I just knew how to cook better, or if I just knew, then I, then I would. I want you to remember that you already have what you need because you have Jesus in your life. And if you're listening today and you say, oh, Lindsay, I don't know this Jesus, then I want you to know him today. I want you to know him more. Because he is the God who takes a left-handed man named Ehud and does something amazing with that. So here we go. So Ehud, son of Jerah, a left-handed man, remember, of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long. And he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothes. Now, I needed to do a little history. Some of my history buffs out there maybe didn't, won't need to, but I had to dig a little deeper. So here's why it's so important that we're told Ehud is left-handed. The significance of being left-handed goes so much further than what you and I think of as what we write with. Because he's left-handed, to hide the dagger on the right makes the most sense for retrieval. Because that's what he's going to draw. He's going to draw from the right side. But here's the thing. Because most men are right-handed, the guards would only search the left side of the body. You see, God is in every detail when we rise up. Isn't that amazing? So because most people are right-handed, the guards just simply check the left side of the body. Ehud's purpose, 
Him being left-handed is exactly what God needed. You see, God is in every detail when you and I rise up. Verse 17. He brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. Yes, the Bible says that. He was very fat. And after delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet, and he sent them out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. As Eglon rose from his seat, now by the way, him rising from his seat is a sign of respect. He knows he's about to receive a very important message. And when we obey God, he makes all the pieces make sense when they need to. So Ehud reached with his left hand. Here it is. He's reaching with his left hand. And by the way, if he had pulled it with his right hand, the king would have been suspicious and immediately protect himself. See, that left hand really matters. So Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. For my weak-hearted ones, you may want to pause, because here's where it gets a little queasy. The dagger went in so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull the dagger out, <laughs> and the king's bowels dumped all over the floor. Then Ehud, well, he closed the door, locked the room, and escaped through the latrine. <laughs> just like that. Let, let me tell you, let me just summarize the rest of this for you. Ehud is now gone. He is safe. The king's servants discover the dead king, although very much too late, because if you keep reading the story, they thought he was in the bathroom. <laughs> so Ehud has time to gather and ban the Israelites to defeat Moab. They were able to kill 10,000 of their strongest and most able body warriors. Not one escaped. Because of Ehud's one act, there was peace in the land, get this, for 80 years. See, when God calls you and you rise up, nothing can stand in your way. Nothing. He will call on you to use your wits, your talents, and your abilities to conquer what is right in front of you. I read this quote while I was studying, and I want to read it to you. You will always be yourself. You can never be anyone else. If you ever accomplish anything, it will be through those powers and abilities you now possess. It is of no use to lament that you are not as somebody else is. It is of no use to envy another's talents. 
You are only yourself. That was written by Charles Nair. See, you could be someone's answer to prayer. Let that sink in. There's nothing, we're not told that Ehud has some kind of commander military ability. We're, we're not even told much about him at all, except that he was left-handed. See, when the Lord raised up Ehud, it wasn't because he had some special talent. In fact, if we read it clearly, there's no evidence of anything, a warrior, a bladesmith, anything. In fact, he was just left-handed. I even want to remove the word just for a minute. He's left-handed. Because clearly in God's hands, no matter what we have, it can be used in mighty ways. We often underestimate the power of the Lord to use what we already have. We say things like, how could he use me? What can I offer? I have no special ability. I'll be honest with you, friends. I felt like the Lord was calling my husband and I for a long time to host people in our house. To have people over and fill our house with companionship and friendship. And you know what I said for 10 years? 10 years, my friends. My house is not big enough. We can't do that. My house is not big enough. I said that over and over and over again. And, and I'm so grateful for God's mercy that he understood where I was coming from. But I want to encourage you today, don't do that. Everything you need, you already have. God can use whatever you already have. You must make use of what you have. Then God will bestow, grant, award, invest in, assign more. But he cannot bestow more until you use what you already have. See, we ask him, well, well Lord, if you just would, you know, help me sing better. Then, then once I know I sing better, then I'll try to be a part of the band. Well, Lord, you know what? As soon as you give me a bigger house, well, then I'll invite people in. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> you know, Lord, if you would just give me a better car, well, then I'd give people a ride right now. I mean, it's kind of sketchy. I wouldn't want to put people in my car. See, the thing is, is we have to use what we already have before we start asking God to give us more. Because what he's already given you is enough. See, another famous story of that is David and Goliath. Right? David, he would have five stones and a sling. But you know what he had before he had five stones and a sling? He had experience. Out on that field, fighting against lions and bears. See, God uses what we already have have. Here's my point. Charles Nair actually says it best. If you think you have but little to use for God, just add it to courage, determination, and faith, and go ahead. I love that. If you think you have but little to use for God, just add it to courage, determination, and faith, and go ahead. See, we do have everyday abilities that can be used in the hands of God in mighty ways. So here's what I came up with. And when you're sitting at home, when you're sitting with family or you're joining it at the valley at home, I want you to think about these things. Can you drive? 
Maybe there's someone who needs a ride to work and you have the time to do it. Do you like to write cards or even make them? Maybe the nursing home down the road has been hoping for some, some outside contact and letters would do the trick. Can you paint? Maybe there's someone moving into their first home and could use your helping hands. Can you sing? There is someone praying for a song of worship to be played on your lips. Do you understand technology? There's someone struggling to figure out virtual school or a new program, and you're exactly what they've been praying for. Do you like to talk on the phone? There is someone praying to be noticed through a simple phone ringing and a pleasant voice asking, how's your day going? Smile? Well, you can pass 10, 20, or 100 people a day, and that smile might be exactly what they were looking for. Do you play well with others? That's adults too, by the way. There might be a family that could use a helping hand with their kiddos a few days a week and are praying for someone just like you. See, you name it, the Lord can use it. He has given you a mind, don't waste it. He has given you skills, don't squander them. He has given you a vision, lean into it. See, the opportunities, they've already risen up. So if you're waiting for an opportunity to arise, it's already there. The question is, have you been saying to him, ah, I just don't know if I can do it. Remember, Ehud, he was left-handed. And God used that to defeat 10,000 people and put his people at rest for 80 years. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that what we already have can be used in a mighty way. Lord, forgive us for our resistance to that. Forgive us for believing the lies that the enemy tells us that, you know, we have to have more or we have to be doing less in order to be able to do what you ask us to do. Thank you for these gross and weird stories that teach us you are enough. And Lord, whatever you put in our lives, our past, our abilities, our struggles even, can be used for your kingdom. All we have to do is say yes. And so Lord, I pray with the same amount of courage and determination and faith that Ehud had, that we will say yes to you and what you have put before us. I pray this all in your precious and holy name. Amen. Listen, if you've been challenged today, you think, you know what? Maybe I missed my mark. Maybe I could be doing more. Don't wait 10 years to get a bigger house is all I have to say. Just do it now. Be full of courage. I'm encouraging you. Be filled with determination that you want to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And each step you take will increase your faith. May you be blessed. Have a beautiful day. Thanks for joining us today. 
To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.